just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Thursday, but it kind of feels like a Wednesday because a lot of people didn't work on Monday, which was Labor Day. Now, of course, I did work on Monday, so it does feel like Thursday. But then again, what I do isn't really work. I do TikToks and podcasts, and I like doing it, so it's not really work. As I've told you before, as somebody who's essentially retired I don't know what fucking day it is at any given time. The only reason I know the day before doing a podcast so I can mention it in the beginning of the podcast is because I look to make sure. <laughs> That's pretty sad. I can talk all about politics. I can talk about pop culture and those sorts of things, but I can't tell you what damn day it is. Anyway, there's a lot going on. There's a lot coming up later today. Steve Bannon is supposed to be um, surrendering to the Manhattan District Court uh, because of charges. He's indicted. We'll talk about more more about that later. And then on Friday, um, the DOJ is going to decide whether or not they're going to appeal the decision by this fucked up judge who wants to appoint a special master for this um looking at the documents. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. We'll talk more about that, too. Also on Friday, uh, the DOJ and Donald Trump's team are supposed to come up with a list of prospective special masters, which isn't going to work because they won't agree on anything. It's going to be a fucking mess. So we'll see what happens with that, and we'll talk more about that later. But before we get into it, I have a few emails that I want to uh, read to you first. This first one comes from a woman by the name of Jamie. She says, good evening, Mike. It's me, Jamie, from New Hampshire again. Billy, I believe that's her husband or boyfriend, is almost caught up on your podcast. Way to go, Billy. Don't go too far back because these are more current type podcasts. You go back a week or two, it doesn't make any sense. It's all outdated. Anyway, you're reading the emails you got and mentioned the baseball team named the Savannah Bananas. It's so funny because my youngest daughter is named Savannah without the H since her aunt lived down there when I was pregnant with her. I even call her Banana, LOL. Have a good night. Thanks for your podcast. Well, thank you for your email, Jamie. And uh, yeah, I've talked about the Savannah Bananas. It's a minor league baseball team. Now, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I was taken by this team because uh, they have a lot of fun when they play. It's almost like watching the uh, Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. But they're a minor league team. Apparently, their games are very entertaining. And it's very difficult to get tickets to the games. I haven't seen a game as yet, but I like their logo. I like the concept of the team, and I like the name, the Savannah Bananas. So I attached myself to it, got a hat, probably will get another hat as well. But, Jamie, thanks for your uh, email. I hope all is well with you and Billy and uh, your daughter, Savannah. This next one comes from a comment from a post I made on Facebook. Now, this was 
just one of the TikTok videos that I posted on there. And uh, I got this comment from a woman by the name of Karen. And uh, I don't know Karen. And this is kind of long, so just hang with me here. She starts out by saying, thank you for accepting me. (laughs) That sounds like a big deal. It's not a big deal. She's talking about friending her on Facebook. And and, and, and Karen, as much as I appreciate your thanking me, I accept anybody of a reasonable mind who isn't fucking crazy. And I didn't get that feeling (laughs) from you. She goes on to say, and thank you for your podcast. Thank you. I didn't watch all of them, but I think I got the gist. Well, if you watched any of my podcasts, you didn't get the gist because there's no video. It's all audio. I know you. I know what you meant. I'm just messing with you here. She goes on. I lived in NYC in the 70s which was kind of a rough place at the time. I organized tenants in bad neighborhoods to take slum lords to court. I cannot believe I ever had that much energy. So I knew Trump for the crook, slumlord, and racist he was and is. I was plumb bumfuzzled, never heard that word before, when this monstrosity was elected president. For the past six years, I typed in the string What does Trump have to do to get arrested, charged, prosecuted, and jailed into my browser daily? All I got back are a lot of talking heads on YouTube, news outlets, pushing the peas around the plate and ignoring the big orange steak. The January 6th commission was a bit of a vindication of what I have been shouting at the TV for years, but still nothing. This has all been a real challenge to my understanding. My focus has gradually shifted from the imbecile Trump to a realization of the depth of the plain, flat stupidity of the MAGA Republicans, along with an even deeper loathing for religionists. But that is just one layer, along with the fearful, fuzzy-headed, slower-than-sloss Democrats. (laughs) What is at the bottom of all this? Sexism and racism. Just as the election of a black man to the presidency galvanized and energized the white neo-Nazis and their ilk to make sure that insult was not followed by the further crushing insult of a female being elected president. Now, Karen, I think you're onto something there. I think a lot of what's going on now and what happened to Hillary Clinton is punishment for the audacity of of electing a black president. Oh, that would have been mass suicide had a woman been elected, and not just by the poor white cowboys of Montana. Trump told the white racist and male sexist exactly what they wanted to hear. Even people who don't agree with a male who brags about grabbing women by their private parts were all too eager to support Trump to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's mind-boggling. But there is another layer under that. Karen, it sounds like you might need a podcast. You have a lot to say here. The people who don't care about any of this at all, they care about is uh, rape of the environment and the proletariat for more and more money. Trump delivered for them big time. Oh, And where are the missing documents? Let's look in Putin's and Kim's and Orban's back pockets. 
Putin, just as crazy but a whole lot smarter than Trump, has got to have some video of Trump escapades whilst visiting the Kremlin. But you know what? I don't think even that will do it. In any event, Putin could not have picked a better puppet than traitor Trump. Will Trump ever be prosecuted? Doubtful. Is Trump above the law? Looks like it, especially when he has so many judges in his pocket. Karen. Okay, Karen, you're kind of taking a negative vibe on this whole thing, and and I understand that. The last six years have been a fucking mess. Uh, I think you're wrong about will Donald Trump ever be prosecuted. I think there's no question he will be prosecuted. I don't think the DOJ has any choice in the matter. I mean, you've got Georgia. Fonnie Willis down there working on something. You've got the people in New York. That's going to uh, fall on top of them. You've got Washington, D.C. You've got the January 6th committee. You've got the grand jury for the January 6th insurrection. And now the documents. Now, it was bad enough when Donald Trump stole documents, and it was the um, Presidential Record Act that he broke. That was bad enough. That wasn't a huge crime, but it was bad enough. But then we find out he has top-secret documents. And then we find out he lied to the DOJ and the FBI that he still had documents. And now we find out, and we'll talk about this in a moment, that at least one of these documents held secrets to nuclear weapons for another country. Well, that's at another level. These are some of the most secrets, highest level secrets this country has. Donald Trump can't help but get indicted and prosecuted. What will happen after that, we don't know. But to suggest he's going to get away with it, I don't think that's true. There was a time when I said, yeah, Donald Trump will never get indicted. But this is a bridge too far. This is too much. You can't let something like this go. Otherwise, you're opening yourself for it happening again. You can't set that precedence. Donald Trump will get indicted no matter what he tries to do to delay or confuse or create chaos. This is one he can't get out of. And he knows it. You can hear it in the way he talks. So, Karen, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I appreciate you sending an email. We don't necessarily agree on everything, but most things you said in there, I couldn't agree more. So, Karen, thank you for the email. Last one is a short one, comes from Peggy. She's written before. She says, where is our vice president? Love your podcast, Peggy. That's a good question. Where is vice president Kamala Harris. Now, when Kamala Harris was picked to be vice president, I saw her as kind of an outgoing, hard-charging woman. But for whatever reason, we don't hear much out of her now that she's vice president. And that's a little disappointing. However, why is that? Is that because Kamala Harris has decided not to be hard-charging and be in the public eye? Or is it because the Biden administration has kind of put a cover over her to make sure that doesn't happen? I'll make a prediction for you. If you're wondering where Kamala Harris is or Kamala Harris is, I always mispronounce and I apologize for that. Uh, But if you're wondering where Kamala Harris is, they're probably saying just stay quiet till we get through this midterm thing. 
And once they get through the midterm thing, and assuming the Democrats take control of the House and the Senate in a bigger way than they already have, and I assume that's the way it's going to go, then I think you will see Kamala Harris coming out of her shell. I think it will be clear that uh, Joe Biden will not run for re-election in 2024, so they're going to need a candidate. <clears throat> and they're going to need to uh, spotlight Kamala Harris. She's the natural next choice to run for office for the presidency in 2024. She's the natural choice. In fact, if she's not the choice, that's kind of a snub to her. But you're not going to hear Joe Biden say anything about his possibilities of running for office in 2024, and you're not going to hear much about Kamala Harris. But once the midterms are over, you're going to see a lot of changes. If the Democrats do, in fact, have more power now, you're going to see more action in the legislature, and it's going to be a lot easier. Joe Biden is probably going to wait a year before he announces he's not running for president, but they are going to be showcasing Kamala Harris. That will be the goal here. That doesn't mean Kamala Harris will be the candidate, the Democratic candidate in 2024, but they'll be working hard to make her that focal point and put her in a position to be the candidate in 2024. Hope that answers your question. I say this because this is my judgment. I have no inside information that tells me that's true. It's just common sense to me that that's what would happen. All right. We were talking about um, these top secret documents that Donald Trump stole. It's now been revealed that of the top secret documents, there's at least one document that had information with nuclear military secrets from another country. That would be some of this country's most protected, sensitive, and highest security levels in this country. And frankly, just having possession of this type of document is highly illegal, certainly enough for an indictment. The only people that uh, can typically see these documents are a president and some high-level cabinet people. Well, Donald Trump is not a president currently, and uh, he has no high-level cabinet people around him. So just by virtue of having this that is a problem because it is highly illegal. If you threw everything out, every other document, that one document puts him in jail. But you have to consider what was he doing with these things? That's the question that has yet to be answered. You can say, oh, it's just a storage problem. It's like an overdue library book. But the fact of the matter is he should not have had them. So why did he? You'll notice they'll always shy away from answering that because there is no good answer. But one of the things that comes to mind to me when I heard this story about this nuclear information for some other country, my question was, who is that other country? Do they know that their military secrets have been compromised by Donald Trump? And if they did know, how did they react or how will they react? You see, it's one thing to have to go through the legal system in this country, 
But if somebody like Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, or even any other uh, other uh, um, ally, they may not ra- react as friendly as what we do here in the United States. I mean, Vladimir Putin, you know what he did to Navalny for simply running against him for the president of uh, Russia. So this could be very problematic for Donald Trump. Very problematic, even dangerous. He may need to up his security around him because now that this information is out there, whoever he gave this information away to and who it was exposing, it could cause some serious problems for him. Now, I've been racking my brain about this, trying to decide who is the country. And I had a thought. I have a thought about who it might be. Now, I have no way to verify this, but again, you look at the facts, you make a judgment based on logic and the facts. See what you think. Now, you remember when Trump first took office, he met with Russian spies in the Oval Office. Yeah, he had fucking Russian spies right in the Oval Office shortly after taking the uh, office of the president. And in that meeting, it was revealed that he accidentally, on purpose, let a top-secret bit of information go to these Russian spies. And what was this about? We don't know specifically what it was about, but it was concerning the Israeli government. It was about Israel. Well, that's interesting. Now, the thing about it is Donald Trump... um, says he's a great friend to Israel, but I tend to disagree with that. So let's think about this next step. Then you have Trump cozying up with Saudi Arabia. He tried to sell Saudi Arabia nuclear weapons, tried to go around Congress, but Congress said, no, you're not going to fucking do that. And let's be honest, no country would be more interested in Israeli secrets than I don't know, Saudi Arabia. Then you have to consider the fact that Donald Trump's son-in-law received $2 billion from Saudi Arabia for no identifiable reason. Just saying. I mean, they say he's going to manage this $2 billion, but um, the advisors in Saudi Arabia said, no, don't do that. He has no experience with that. But the crown prince said, yes, definitely give him $2 billion. And if the choice is is giving Jared Kushner $2 billion or getting your head cut off, you know what you're going to do. But still, we have to wonder why he got that $2 billion. And as I said, when it happened, if you think Donald Trump isn't getting a taste of that, you're horribly mistaken. They wanted nuclear weapons. Donald Trump wanted to sell them to him. Congress said no. He had all these documents, not for 19 months, for six years. He went over to Saudi Arabia at least one time. You remember that little dance he did with the sabers and all this bullshit? They were very happy to see Donald Trump. So why? Well, maybe he was giving them information about nuclear weapons from our country on the sly, or, and maybe he was giving some military secrets about Israel. Now, as I say, I don't know that it's Israel, but uh, 
if you think about nuclear weapons and you think about something he would be able to give up and something that the Saudi Arabians would be interested in, it seems to all kind of tie in, you know? Now, of course, Israel is a more civilized country than Russia or North Korea or even Saudi Arabia. But I got to tell you, if I was going to piss somebody off, it wouldn't be Israel. Don't they have that uh, secret force called Mossad? There's some dangerous motherfuckers. If Donald Trump gave away Israel's nuclear secrets to Saudi Arabia or anybody else, you can bet they are going to be fucking pissed, and you can bet that there's going to be some retribution. Now, something else to think about regarding this situation. You'll remember that prior to the search of Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago, Merrick Garland was bouncing around the world meeting with leaders all over the place, and nobody really knew what that was about, you know. There were the Republicans who thought there were some nefarious reasons why he was doing that. But I think now we know. We don't know all that's in those top secret documents. But I guarantee you the FBI and the DOJ know. They see the potential problems coming from it. They're trying to assess the damage that was caused by Donald Trump. And I'm sure they've got some ideas of how bad some things are. And uh, if if Donald Trump is exposing secrets for various and sundry countries, it would make sense that Merrick Garland would go over there and try to at least smooth it over, or at least give them a heads up of what was released so they knew what to do to deal with it. I'm sure that wasn't a very comfortable set of meetings that Merrick Garland was involved. Oh, by the way, all those secrets we had of yours, yeah, everybody's got them now. They're going to be in the fucking newspaper anytime soon. So I'm sure that was a tough situation for Merrick Garland. Again, I don't know for sure that this document, this one big-time document that can put Donald Trump in jail, is about uh, the secrets, military secrets from Israel, but it sure seems like that might be a possibility. In spite of the fact that uh, he claims to be a friend of Israel, eh, he's a friend to nobody. He's a friend only to himself. He only looks to benefit himself. You would hope that the Republicans would have grasped this in the last six years, but many of them have not. I mean, you see what Donald Trump does. He buddies up with Mitch McConnell, and now Mitch McConnell is his greatest enemy because Mitch McConnell had the audacity to speak out against him. He does this over and over again. It's so transparent. I can't believe that people don't get it and people don't respond accordingly to it, but they don't. And the reason they don't is not because they believe Donald Trump. Nobody in their right mind would believe anything coming out of Donald Trump's mouth. It's simply because they think attaching themselves and supporting Donald Trump will get them votes and or money. Well, that's starting to change now. People are starting to step away from Donald Trump. And it's not surprising when we're looking at some of this treasonous behavior that he's caught in. People were all about Donald Trump overturning Roe v. Wade and this whole conspiracy bullshit during the primaries because Republicans were running against Republicans and they were dealing with Republican voters. 
But now that they're out of that and looking at the general elections, now they look crazy. They look like conspiracy theorists. And that means they're less likely to win the general election. So what do they do? They do a 180 and they say, oh, let's not talk about Roe v. Wade. Let's not talk about Donald Trump. Let's not have him endorse me because it's not going to help me. This is all starting now, and it's starting to see people pull away from him. His power, his base is becoming smaller. Where it's really going to be the breaking point is at the midterms. Everybody is kind of biting their nails about the midterms. Republicans are still hoping that they're going to be able to salvage something. And the Democrats are at this point, we got to win, we got to win, but we got to stay on top of this. So nobody's taking any great chances before the midterms, like I was talking about with Kamala Harris or even Joe Biden to a certain extent. Joe's going more on the attack, which is a good thing. He should be doing that given the uh, the current circumstances. But once we get through the midterms, and if the midterms go as I think, there'll be a larger margin in the House or an equal margin in the House toward the Democrats. And the Democrats will get a bigger margin, a bigger spread in the Senate. When that happens, then all shit is going to break loose. All the Republicans that supported Donald Trump uh, are going to step away really quick. They're going to try to clean themselves of all the stink that Donald Trump has provided to them because he's of no use to them anymore. There is no primary that he can bring at this point, at least not for two years. And given his circumstances, he's not going to be relevant in two years. He's not going to be available in two years. He's either going to be in jail or tied up in all kinds of legal messes. He is going to be bankrupt. He is going to be a pariah. Donald Trump will not be a factor in two years in 2024. But everybody's kind of holding firm until the midterms. The midterms are going to tell a lot about what is going to happen. And as soon as the midterms are over, then you'll see everybody going nuts and doing all this crazy shit. Everything seems pulled back and close to the chest. It's not going to be like that after the midterms. People are going to open up, the Democrats and the Republicans. And the big loser after the midterms is going to be Donald Trump. Over and above all the investigations and possible indictments, his base is going to diminish quickly. There'll still be some because there's a lot of dumb motherfuckers out there. But anybody with a reasonable mind will say, fuck Donald Trump. I want nothing to do with him in hopes that they can get rid of their connection. Well, unfortunately, they won't be able to. We all remember who supported Donald Trump, and we've seen the videos, we've heard the audio, we've seen the newspaper articles. They won't be able to step away from Donald Trump, but I guarantee you, they will fucking try. They will try hard as hell to get away from Donald Trump. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Well, it is being reported that today is the day that Steve Bannon will surrender to the Manhattan District Court for crimes he committed while he was trying to raise money to build the wall for Donald Trump. It seems he got some sticky fingers, pulled a million dollars out of the kitty and put it in his pocket. And for those who don't grasp that, that's against the law. That's not a good thing. I mean, it's so bad that he was already indicted, prosecuted, and found guilty of that very same crime by the federal government. But, of course, Donald Trump pardoned him. Now, some people would say, yeah, but what about double jeopardy? Well, double jeopardy only counts in a given jurisdiction. Now, he can't be tried for that crime again in the federal courts, but he can be tried by the state and that is what's going to happen. Steve Bannon, a former senior political aide to President Donald Trump, is expected to turn himself into authorities in New York State today. In fact, when you hear this podcast, he may have already done that, and I'll be talking more about that as well. Bannon will face state charges that he committed fraud by improperly diverting funds donated to an organization called We Build the Wall. The charity launched in 2018 raised more than $25 million after promising to help build a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border to curb illegal immigration. Now, the irony to this whole thing is that Donald Trump told us Mexico would pay for it. But still, Steve Bannon had to start this group and raise all kinds of money. And they got $25 million of trump fuck money. And guess what? You still have no fucking wall. So where's that $25 million? If it didn't go to the wall, where is it? In a statement Tuesday night, Bannon described the state-level prosecution as part of a wider weaponization of the criminal justice system. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's a weaponization against conservatives. The office of the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, did not respond Wednesday to NPR's request for comment. Now, Bannon, as I said, previously faced federal charges linked to his involvement with the charity. In August 2020, a Justice Department probe alleged he helped orchestrate a scheme to defraud hundreds of thousands of donors, including some in the New York State area. The DOJ contended Bannon diverted hundreds of thousand dollars to pay for personal expenses. He and others are accused of lying to contributors and then creating sham invoices and accounts to cover up their crimes. See, that's the thing about it. They're, they were just fucking sloppy about it on top of it. They're so arrogant, they think they can get away with anything. Bannon pleaded not guilty to the charges on August 20th, 2020, after being arrested on a yacht off the Connecticut coast. Five months later, in one of his final acts before leaving office, Trump pardoned Baden, Bannon, praising him in a statement as an important leader in the conservative movement. The pardon blocked federal charges relating to the Build the Wall charity, but Manhattan's district attorney soon launched a separate state-level probe of Bannon's activities. Bannon was, of course, a top advisor to Trump during his 2016 presidential campaign. He later served as a political strategist in the White House. 
He now hosts a right-wing podcast called The War Room that often broadcasts and amplifies conspiracy theories. In his Tuesday night statement, Bannon claimed the criminal charge are part of an effort to silence him ahead of the midterm election. Now, wait a minute, Bannon. You pleaded guilty to this charge. You went to federal court and you were convicted and put in jail. The only reason you're out is because Donald Trump pardoned you. If you've already been convicted of this crime, what do you think the chances are and the validity of the state charging you with the same crime? I'm guessing the court case will go just like the federal case. And once again, you will be charged, convicted, and fucking jail. The only difference here is Donald Trump can't pardon you. It has nothing to do with shutting you up. I mean, the fact of the matter is you're irrelevant right at this point. But he's got another charge that he's going to have to do some time for. If you remember, he uh, refused to comply with a subpoena to the January 6th committee regarding the insurrection. He refused to comply. He was uh, indicted. He was convicted. And he's waiting sentencing. So now he's waiting to be sentenced for that crime. He's got this new crime with the state of New York, which he will no doubt be found guilty and sentenced there as well. But that's not all for Steve Bannon, because you see, Steve Bannon had his fingers in the pot during the January 6th insurrection. To what extent, we don't know as yet, but uh, he could be catching a charge on that one, too. So we'll wait and see what happens. Now, Bannon said, I have not yet begun to fight. (laughs) Now he's stealing fucking quotes. Bannon said, they will have to kill me first. Two other prominent conservatives involved in the Build the Wall charity were not pardoned by Trump and they're still in jail. But here's the deal. He says, they will have to kill me first. (laughs) Yeah, right off, right after you voluntarily surrender to the Manhattan courts. Yeah. You talk a good game, Steve, but nothing you say comes true. You're a fraud. You're you're a loser. And you're going to go where you belong. And that, of course, is jail. Now, in April, Brian Colfage and Andrew Badalato pleaded guilty to one charge each of conspiracy to commit wire fraud for their roles in the organization. Same deal that Steve Bannon was convicted of. Now, apparently, Donald Trump didn't like these two because he didn't pardon them. He did pardon Steve Bannon, but not these two. Colfage also pled guilty to separate tax and wire fraud charges. In a separate case, a federal grand jury found Bannon guilty in July on two counts of criminal contempt of Congress for not complying with a subpoena to testify in connection with the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. He's waiting for sentencing on that. So Steve Bannon is quickly becoming irrelevant He will be taken out of the equation. He'll be taken out of the narrative. He can still flap his mouth, but he's going to have to do it behind bars. And uh, frankly, he's not going to have much credibility. Not like he does have any credibility now, but he'll have even less when he's in fucking jail. And trust me, he's definitely going to jail at the very least for not complying with the subpoena and those two counts. 
that could be up to two years in jail, uh, $200,000 fine. So that's a small situation at this point, but that'll put him in jail and take him out of the uh, the scenario. But now he has this other one where he defrauded uh, a lot of people, a lot of Trumplifux. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't really care about that. The fact that these people took Trumplifux money, good riddance. Go ahead, do it some more. But it is against the law. Now Donald, or now uh, Steve Bannon has to be held accountable. He got out of it one time with a pardon from Donald Trump, but Donald Trump can't pardon him. Even if Donald Trump was still president, he couldn't pardon him because he can only pardon federal crimes. This is a state crime. Now, the only people that could pardon him in this situation is um, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. And she's a Democrat, and that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to fucking happen anytime at all. Well, here's some bad news, more bad news for Donald Trump. We know that Donald Trump has failed at everything he's ever tried in business. He's always been bailed out by his dad or Russia or Saudi Arabia, but he continues to fail. And you remember when he brought up this new app that he was putting together, it was going to be the Twitter killer. It was going to be the greatest social media platform in the history of mankind. Well, a Trump-allied investment company, Digital World Acquisition Corporation, asked shareholders this week to approve a one-year extension for its merger with Trump's company while it fends off multiple federal investigations. And they have other problems, too. This is the big company that Donald Trump said, oh, they're going to put a billion dollars into it. Well, now they're saying, yeah, let's hold off a bit. We see a few problems. First, there are the SEC investigations. That's a huge problem. Then you throw in Donald Trump. That's an even bigger problem. Donald Trump's popularity is dropping like a fucking rock. He may end up getting indicted. In fact, he probably will get indicted and maybe end up locked down some way, one way or another. And that doesn't bode well for this app. So this company that was going to put all this money into it is saying, yeah, hold on a second. And the thing is, I find it amazing that they even considered doing this. They should know better than that. They should have done due diligence. Know that everything that Donald Trump was a failure. Know that he was on the hook for a number of crimes. Why would you get into business with somebody like that? Yet they did. They somehow thought that was going to pay off. And now they're not so sure. But at a special meeting Tuesday, the company's leader, Patrick Orlando, abruptly postponed the announcement of the vote until Thursday, saying he wanted to give shareholders more time to respond. Yeah, because he knows what they're going to say. Reuters first reported Tuesday that the company didn't have the votes, meaning they aren't going to get the go-ahead to delay it a year. If 65% of the company's shareholders don't approve the extension by Thursday, the company could be forced to liquidate, a potentially devastating blow that would leave Truth Social with nothing. Now, keep in mind, we already know they aren't paying their fucking bills. They're already having problems. This vote is going to be important. But they're still going to need money. So 
True Social is probably done. Next six months, I guarantee you, True Social is probably fucking done. Not like it really had any impact. It was the one way we could hear from Donald Trump and have him spew his stupid shit. But it really wasn't a player in the social media world. The company can postpone the merger for six months without shareholder approval. But its executives would need to invest millions to keep the company afloat. That's sending good money after bad. They aren't going to do that. Some investment analysts have said they doubt the extension would give the company enough time to resolve all the outstanding concerns about the merger. To be honest with you, the investigations by the SEC is probably the least of their problems. Digital World, a special purpose acquisition company, or SPAC, debuted debuted to massive attention last year, but federal scrutiny, the Trump site's lackluster launch, and other issues have sapped much of the market's excitement. Nobody gives a shit about True Social anymore. They thought it was going to be a big deal. It wasn't, so why would anybody be on board with it? Digital World's share price dropped more than 11% Tuesday to close to $22.13, nearly 90% lower than its $175, $175 peak last October. A year ago, it was at $175. Now it's at $22.13. If the company liquidates, all shareholders, including those who bought in at very high prices, would be paid about $10 a share. In that case, Trump's startup, uh, Trump Media and Technology Group, of which Truth Social is the primary product, will not be able to tap a roughly $1.3 billion investment that it has been counting on since Digital World's initial offering last September. The Trump startup has, in the meantime, subsisted off tens of millions of dollars in short-term loans. The company is also facing a dispute with a conservative web hosting service over allegations of unpaid bills. Donald Trump isn't paying his bills. God, who fucking knew? This is what I don't understand. How does anybody go into business with this guy based on his track record? You haven't done any due diligence. You haven't looked at this guy's history. You haven't seen what kind of scrutiny he's under currently. But still you say, yeah, we're going to give them $1.3 billion. Well, they're not going to now. True social is all but done. The Securities and Exchange Commission and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority are investigating digital world, including over questions of whether the company had negotiated its deal with Trump before its public offering, which could violate securities laws. A federal grand jury has also requested information from Trump's company without SEC approval. Any deal is indefinitely halted. They won't allow it to go public. So, once again, one of Donald Trump's great ideas, this thing that was going to kill Twitter, is dying on the vine. And and I just have to laugh at these people who a year ago, knowing all the problems that Donald Trump has, deciding to, yeah, we'll go into business with Donald Trump. We'll make all kinds of money. It's kind of like hitting on a hot idea 
after it's already started to fade. They were all excited about it. They thought they'd get all the Republicans and all the Trump to participate in the app. In the end, they got one or two million people on the app, which sounds like a lot. But when you think Donald Trump had 88 million followers on Twitter, it's not even a drop in the bucket. Certainly not enough to make any money. And when you're looking to invest $1.6 billion into something and you see it not being able to pay its own bills, well, that's got to give you pause. That's got to make you step back and say, you know, maybe this isn't a good investment. (laughs) Donald Trump is fucking done with his social media app. That isn't going to go, like I say, in the next six months, if not before. It'll go out of business. It will be liquidated. And once again, Donald Trump will be a fucking embarrassment. That's all Donald Trump's been his whole life. And this is the thing that he's feared the most. His arrogance and his uh, bombastic attitude isn't a show of power. It's just a cover for his immense insecurity from his dad not liking him, his mom not liking him, him screwing up every step of the way. He knows he's a loser, so he does what he does to try to cover that up. He's thinking he's fooling people. Let's be honest, Donald Trump did fucking fool people for 30 years. How this guy was able to stay alive when every business he entered into failed is beyond me. I guess he was lucky that he was the son of Fred Trump because that offered some credibility and legitimacy and enough cash flow to keep things going. But when it came down to borrowing money and never paying them back, filing bankruptcy and leaving everybody holding the bag, well, nobody in this country would want to give him money. As I've said before, the only place he got money was from Deutsche Bank. And I have to believe that Deutsche Bank was getting the money to feed to Donald Trump from Russia because we know that Deutsche Bank was had their feet held to the fire for money laundering for none other than Russia. And we know that Donald Trump has a tight relationship with Russia. Well, apparently those funds are starting to run out. Russia is not willing to give Donald Trump his his sustenance to stay alive. So that's why now he's looking to uh, uh, Saudi Arabia as his new sugar daddy, somebody who's going to fund all his stupid stuff. And that goes back to what we started talking about is that uh, he can't do it on his name anymore. His name isn't worth shit. So he's got to give them something tangible to get their money. And that tangibility comes in the form of top-secret documents, even top-secret SCI documents, even documents that sow the nuclear secrets of another country. As I said, it seems to me that Saudi Arabia is the one that is benefiting from these things that Donald Trump stole. It seems to me they are the ones paying for it. And color me cynical, but when... His his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, gets handed $2 billion from the Saudi Arabian government. That puts your antennas up and makes you wonder. Now, you might be saying, well, why didn't they just give the money to Donald Trump? Oh, no, you can't do that. That wouldn't look good. 
So you give it to Jared Kushner. And as I say, Donald Trump definitely has a sniffer in there. He's definitely getting a taste of that $2 billion, if not taking all or most of it. Jared Kushner will get some money. But Donald Trump will have his hands all over this money. And when they find out that this has happened, this is going to pose yet another problem for Donald Trump. Donald Trump keeps opening his mouth, keeps attempting to do all these crazy fucking things. And all he does is get himself in trouble more and more. Well, we had an interesting occurrence just recently. Um, The Oath Keepers were hacked and the list of members were released to the public which isn't turning out too well for the Oath Keepers and those people that were in the Oath Keepers group that tried to keep it on the DL, you know. The names of hundreds of U.S. law enforcement officers, elected officials, and military members appear on the leaked membership rolls of a far-right extremist group that's accused of playing a key role in the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol. The Anti-Defamation League Center on Extremists poured over more than 38,000 names on leaked Oath Keepers membership list and identified more than 370 people it believes currently work in law enforcement agencies, including as police chiefs and sheriffs and more than 100 people who are currently members of the military. It also identified more than 80 people who were running for or served in a public office as of early August this, this past month. The membership information was compiled into a database published by a transparency collective distributed denial of secrets. The data raises fresh concerns about the presence of extremists in law enforcement and the military who are tasked with enforcing laws and protecting the U.S. It's especially problematic for public servants to be associated with extremists at a time when lies about the 2020 election are fueling threats of violence against lawmakers and institutions. Now, even for those who claim to have left the organization when it began to employ more aggressive tactics in 2014, it is important to remember that the Oath Keepers have espoused extremism since they were founded, and this fact was not enough to deter these individuals from signing up in the first place. Appearing in the Oath Keepers database doesn't prove that a person was ever an active member of the group or shares its ideology. Some people on the list contacted by the Associated Press said they were briefly members years ago and are no longer affiliated with the group. Some said they were never dues-paying members. Well, of course, that's what they would say. Their views are far too extreme for me, said Sean Mobley, sheriff of Otero County, Colorado. Mobley told the AP in an email that he distanced himself from the Oath Keepers years ago over concerns about its involvement in the... uh, standoff against the federal government at Bundy Ranch in Bunkerville, Nevada, among other things. Now, the Oath Keepers were founded in 2009 by Stuart Rhodes and his loosely organized conspiracy theory-fueled group that recruits current and former military officers. They went after those people specifically, police and first responders as well. It asks its members to vow to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
promotes the belief that the federal government is out to strip citizens of their civil liberties and paints its followers as defenders against tyranny. Against tyranny. These are the same people that charged and broke into the U.S. Capitol, shit and pissed on the floors, threatened to kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. Yeah, they're all about the Constitution, aren't they? More than 2,000 people associated with the, or not 2,000, two dozen people associated with the Oath Keepers, including Stuart Rhodes, have been charged in connection with the January 6th attack. They were in the middle of it. Rhodes and four other Oath Keep members or associates are heading to trial this month on seditious conspiracy charges for what prosecutors have described as a weeks-long plot to keep President Donald Trump in power. Rhodes and the other Oath Keepers say they are innocent, of course, and that there was no plan to attack the Capitol. Uh, Whether there was a plan or not, you attack the fucking Capitol. And clearly there was a plan, as more information is coming out by way of the January 6th committee. And we're going to see that when those hearings start up again this month. The Oath Keepers has grown quickly along with the wider anti-government movement and used the tools of the Internet to spread the message during Barack Obama's presidency. This has been going on a while, and as I've said, it seems like it's almost punishment. Punishment for America to have the audacity to vote a black man as president in Barack Obama. Stuart Rhodes is in some deep trouble. That man is going to do some jail time. The others with seditious conspiracy are going to spend a lot of time in jail. I think, you know, we're talking 20 years at best when you're convicted of such a crime. So this is going to be very interesting. And if these people are convicted of seditious conspiracy, that too is going to set a precedent for any other people involved. People like sitting members of Congress, people who are members of the Trump administration, Donald Trump himself. If it's proven that seditious conspiracy happened, there's got to be other people involved. A conspiracy is when people talk to other people. We know that the Oath Keepers, one of the Oath Keepers, one of the leaders during the insurrection, either sent a text or made a call to Mark Meadows and said, that's getting ugly out here. What do we do next? Suggesting that this was directed by the White House. And all the evidence we are seeing would suggest that is the case. It's, it's, it's truly uh, amazing that these people try to continue to say, oh, it was it just happened. It was no big deal. It was it was just a, um, a quiet protest. No, it wasn't. We have the video of it. We had more than 150 police officers injured. We had a few police officers die. We watched these people beat police officers with flags, shoot them with bear spray. They want to tell us that there were no guns, but now we're finding out that there were people there with guns. In fact, they had guns a short distance away for the second charge they planned. This was planned without question. If not, why were there meetings at the uh, Mayflower Hotel? 
Why was Jenny Thomas going into the White House and having meetings with those people? Jenny Thomas, the Oath Keepers, they were there for one reason, to overthrow this government, undermine democracy, and stop the uh, peaceful transfer of power. And you can call it whatever you like, but that is fucking illegal. And that is anti-Constitution as opposed to what they suggest is, oh, we're just following the Constitution. No, you're not. You're going against the Constitution. And if you go against the Constitution in this country, you go to fucking jail. Stuart Rhodes and all his little cronies are going to go to jail. And when they are convicted, this is going to put a whole lot more heat on the sitting members of Congress, Jenny Thomas and Donald Trump. And when these hearings start up in September, they're going to be talking about how this whole thing was organized and funded. That's when Jenny Thomas's name is going to come to the top. That's when these members of Congress are going to be exposed. That's when members of the administration are going to be exposed. This is not going to go well. At least not for them. It's going to go well for us because maybe we'll see some accountability. We'll see some fucking justice. So it's coming. And there ain't nothing they can do to stop it at this point. There is absolutely nothing that they can do to stop it. All right, let's wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to sit down and listen. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.